everyone and welcome to the Hellboy Book Club. My name is John Salinas and I'm here with Bobby Lovelace. I'm Daniel. Hey everybody, it's an all Hellboy podcast and we're reading all the Hellboy comics and some books sometimes too. Some books? Books. And every week we interact with our awesome listeners. Here's Danielle. Oh man. Go do it. Oh, Go and do man. it. <laughs> so we're gonna be the, we're the book club and it's friendship we're going to tell you what to read, you're going to read it, and then you're going to tell us what you thought about it, and we're going to talk about <laughs> what we thought about it and what you thought about it, because that's friendship, and that's a book club. Back to you, John. Ah, oh, thank you. Hey, everybody, it's Aubrey's it's birthday! Yes, happy birthday, Aubrey. Man, I've been I've been enjoying comics with you for... Hashtag birthday boy. Yeah, for like... 19 years 19, that's almost 20 something. years that's almost like two decades yeah, yeah i think 2001 yeah. is when we met so you just call it 20 years oh. yeah so i and and we've been nerding out about comics forever and now we get to do it every week on the podcast yeah it's so exciting and uh yeah and we have some gifts for you too we do so hopefully we can get to see you we'll do soon a safe can... but see see from a distance where it's safe where we're all wearing masks and outside, and we put the presents down and back away, and you come up and get the presents. Yeah, and that's safety. And we'll do a little because cheer we for believe you. in science and being Aww, safe, and yes. we'll cheer for you because it's your birthday and we love you. Yeah, <laughs> birthday times. Yeah, no, I just wanted everybody who reached out yesterday or posted on the thing yeah. or whatever. I, I just want to say thank you. It means a lot to me, so yeah. I just wanted to say thank you for everybody who reached out. And just like Joe Biden, I'm now 46. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh man and did you have a happy birthday fuck yes i got to do the thing i love to do the most which is sit at home nice with my dogs All right. playing animal crossing Aww. there you go that sounds amazing that's a great birthday we just had our bonus episode with Craig McKnight. We sure did. Yeah, we thank sure you did. so much, Craig, guy. for hanging out with us and thank for you, all your positivity yeah. and all your... He's a very inspiring guy. He's a good guy, yeah. And we want to make sure that we're promoting yet another Buff Holiday Raffle over at Mike Manuel's Art on Facebook. Make sure to follow the page. This Thursday, yes. we're going to see the pin and the raffle is going to kick off later this week. So yeah. make sure you're supporting that and get in there. The first 100 people to donate, yeah. buy the 10 raffle tickets. Fifty dollars, you're gonna get that exclusive pin. We might have already seen what it looks like. What do you think about? It? What do you think about that pin? Jeez, oh, I will keep my comments to myself so not to spoil it for anybody else. That's super cute. I love it. Obviously, thanks to Craig McKnight for organizing the whole thing. Like we said before, it's like a whole job in and of itself. And also, thank you to all the contributing artists who are uh, contributing prizes to it and the contributing um, different uh, individuals as well and and uh, you know we talked about skeleton crew uh, donating stuff so everybody that involved is, yes you know thank you so much for that that's amazing doing some amazing work really cool yeah and if you want to support the show you can leave us a review you can do it right in the itunes app that really helps us with all the algorithms it helps spread the word of the podcast also follow us on social media that's how you interact with us and become part of the book club all right, and now we're going to go on to our listener feedback. Listener feedback. <laughs> hey, you damn guys. Hey, you damn guys. Hey, you damn guys. We had a hey, you damn guys from Hayden Orr. Oh, Hayden Orr. 
Book club member. That's right, he's a book club member. He said, man, when I first read this arc, that ending made me audibly say, what the fuck, as I read it. I immediately texted my husband and told him that Hellboy was back in the comics, and God bless him, even though he doesn't really care about comic books, he humored me long enough to let me go on a Matt-style rant about the lore of the Mignolaverse, and how all this could work, and what it could mean for the rest of the series, since I didn't have anyone to talk to about it at the time. Hey, that's what the book club is for. (laughs) Back to you. Back to you, John. (laughs) This series... This series as a whole has so many surprises, and one that I actually guessed right about way back when the seeds were planted that I can't wait to talk to you guys about. Also, you guys are trying to match the series with surprises on this episode, not only Matt Strackbine, but also Mark Tweedell in a cameo at the end. <laughs> Such a treat to have everybody on the episode again. Can't wait for the next week. Ah, thank you so much, yeah. Hayden. Thank you. Yeah, that was actually... Uh... That was surprising to us, too. <laughs> yeah, it was really funny because Mark wanted to hear our reaction to finding out that Hellboy comes back or that he, you know, appears to come back at the end of that issue. He, like, he messages while we were recording to yeah. ask us about it. Yeah, and he, I think that he thought we were done and yeah. he just wanted to talk to us about yeah, it. Yeah, no, he but just we wanted was... to hang out and, yes. like, and, and chat about it, but you called him and you, we were already... We, we still had Matt yeah. on, and we were still going to do more of the episode, so it just worked out like yeah. that. And of course, of course, I'm a content-generating machine, so I had to put all that into the episode, too, and I thought it made for a great episode, so that was so cool. Also, I think I, I can being content or making a great episode, like, it's just <laughs> fun to hang out with your friends and talk about the stuff that you're reading, and, yes. that's, and that's a book club. Yes, but it can also mean content. No. Well... <laughs> I just, I just imagine everybody kind of listening to the episode, and they're like, oh, shit, Matt's back on. And then all of a sudden we get to the end, and then, Mark, what did you think? And then Mark's like, this is what I think. And everybody, I just imagine everybody like, oh, shit, the band's back together. <laughs> yes. And Matt actually saw that comment. He said, I love my friends, even the ones I've never met in person. Aww. Yeah. Aww. So that was so great. Yeah. It was great to have Matt back on the show. We also heard from Mark Tweedell. Mark Tweedell. Book club members, right. sometimes surprise guest hosts. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> we talked about those Hellboy and Abe toys in that last story. He said that he thought they were weird. I never had any real-life FBI agents as toys when I was a kid. It's just something that makes the Hellboy universe feel well like Marvel. But I have my own headcanon for it, though. The kid's mom works for the BPRD, and it's the end of the world. So I figure someone on the Bureau made him custom toys for a birthday present or something. I was going to say. It's easier for a kid to imagine his mother might be okay when he can pretend she works alongside superheroes. Sure. I like that. But I, do, I like that, too. I, I do think that if we had super-powered FBI agents, there might be action figures about them. I don't know. Yeah, they'd be selling it on the same channel that they sell those, like, commemorative coins. There you go. Or whatever the fuck. <laughs> you know what I'm talking about? Dick. The paid programming, paid yeah, commercials. Yeah, just like, there's or... just, like, commercials that come on when you're watching, whatever the fuck it is. I don't know, like, uh, what do they have on those channels? Storage Wars or the, <laughs> you know, cooking shit, whatever they have. It's, like, then it's, like, commercials for, like health care and hearing aids and right that just reminds me of watching the home Sachi network in the 90s where people were selling knives he's like you want a knife you got this knife but then you, you buy you get another knife and so <laughs> get a million <laughs> knives but wait and there's you know, more we'll give like, you twice the knives there are 437 <laughs> knives for only yeah and you're thinking like, do i need uh, knives i might need some knives <laughs> and then the commercial's over and your breaks like a spell you're like oh <laughs> 
<laughs> Techpad De Sequoia had a good tag on that comment too. He said, "When are we going to get a final Abe Evolution action figure? That's what I want. I really want that, or like this Thousand Toys one that just came out. Like, just give us some extra arms and a head to put on it and make it into Evolved Abe with the long arms and the you know the yeah. evolved head. That would be awesome." Techbed De Sequoia, was... book club member, and also apparently pitching toy ideas. Yes. Techbed so, hey. <laughs> De Sequoia. That's right. Mark Tweedell said, the stuff with O'Donnell and the vampire research, this is actually laying the groundwork for another series that may or may not happen someday. Here's what Mignola had to say about it. Quote, there are so many stories, so many different ways and places to present the history that we've created, and there's no sign of that even when the BPRD wraps up. There's no reason that other things won't go on. I had plotted one of the things in the vampire storyline that was this colonial era incident where we get vampires brought in, shipped into America to fight for the British, and I quickly banged out an idea for a whole book set in the Revolutionary War with vampires. I'd love someone to do that book one of these days. Yeah, but that was that teaser where we saw Anders. Yeah. You know, that's alluding to the vampires. So yeah, I would love to see that series. I love me some Mignola vampires. As for Vavara and the way she talks to Von Klemp, knowing full well who she is, I imagine she's like an adult talking to a child. Oh, and who might you be? Oh, you're this big important scientist, huh? Well, good for you. There's no doubt in my mind she knows exactly who he is, but she derives some enjoyment, I think, in seeing how people like to present themselves. She laughs at his inflated sense of self-importance. On the topic of Devon sitting in the bed staring at nothing, he's absolutely thinking about Phoenix shooting Abe and his role in that. Fear is Devon's foremost motivator. It sometimes happens that this series has been running so long that we forget what preys on each character's mind. And this relates to Liz too, because Liz had a vision of the future and it was bad. It's easier for us to forget, but that is always with her. So when I see a moment like talking about how the Bureau never could have stopped the Ogdru Hem without her, I can't help but think she's saying this because she feels like she specifically is making a difference. And it's also why when Abe mentions Johan, she lashes out. Because wouldn't Johan's actions be considered just a part of the plan? That would be the future coming as normal. His big role casts doubt on the hope she has that she can change the future. Note that Liz is opening up to Abe about a lot of stuff, but this one thing, her visions of the future, she still keeps to herself. There's nothing that scares her more, and she won't dare speak it, lest she give it more power over her. Hmm. I do like this idea that she lashes out because she's afraid that she won't be able to stop whatever the next oh, thing is. Oh, for sure. Is. Absolutely. You know what I mean? I, I really like that uh, thought process. Yeah, definitely. And um, he also mentioned, like, when they show her heating up the coffee. Yeah. She's heating it up because they had been talking for so long and it had gone cold. Yeah. Because they had the coffee all that time. Oh, yeah. And then they're just talking and Shades she's got to like... Shades of Iro. <laughs> Shades yeah, of Iro. When I, read, when I read that comment, I was like, oh, that makes perfect sense. That's why she'd be doing that. Yeah. Did you ever see Avatar The Last Airbender? Uh, it's on the list. There's a there's a moment where like my favorite character, he uh, is heating up his tea with his like fire powers. Oh, okay, yeah. Oh, cool. Yeah, it's amazing. He said, I didn't read Howard's lying in bed as a jealous moment. I think he knows Liz well enough to know if she wants to talk about something, she will, but otherwise she'll keep it to herself. Yeah. He knows that this reunion with Abe is going to bring up some stuff, so he's been lying in bed awake waiting for her to come back. He doesn't know how she'll be. She could be angry or upset. 
she could have been happy and drunk. So he's awake and waiting. And when she comes back, then he can sleep. After all, neither of them are the most communicative of people. Yeah, and I feel he's a really intense person (laughs) for very good reasons. And I think, you know, obviously if, if, you know, if any of us were Ted Howard's, we'd be a very intense person too, probably. And so that's something that I kind of just read that as like, he's like an intense dude. And he, you know, I I, want to give him a little more credit than that. Like, yeah, Abe and Liz having a reunion is a big deal for both of them. So, yeah, you know, he's given them an appropriate amount of space. And I think that that's that's that all seemed pretty normal to me. I do like that explanation because, I mean, okay, so, you know, they haven't seen each other for like seven years. And so it probably would be an intense kind of thing. So I guess him staying awake just in case she needed him uh, to be there. Um, but then like, you know, she just got in bed and went to sleep, but also it could, you know, I, I just felt like the, I took it the other way just because of the way it looked in the art and the way he was positioned. Right. He wasn't facing the door. He was looking, he, he was facing away from it, but maybe I'm just reading too much into it. Mm. I think you said it on the last episode, like it is a common trope, that shot yeah, where they show yeah. someone looking over their shoulder it's while somebody else comes sure. to bed. And so. Yeah, I think that there's a lot in that. But uh, yeah, so and but I think like the like uh we also tend to give a little bit more leeway to our to these writers and artists. They don't often heavily rely on such tropes. It's right. not it's yes. not often that that happens. Yeah. And so that's something that I think we can also cuz there's a lot of room for our headcanon uh, there's a lot of room for interpretations. There's a lot of room for what this meant to me, kind of a thing. So there's a lot of there's a lot of room there, and I think that you know any of those is is fine. Drew Campbell said, "Drew Campbell, book club member. Maybe Kate didn't stay with Alice in England because she knew that would leave Devon in charge, uh. and she knew she had to prevent that as long as possible." Yeah, that's yeah, that's uh, true. That's true. I, I like and that explanation. Mark Tweedell, Mark Tweedell tagged onto that and said, "The real hell on earth is having Devon as your boss." Jeez, no kidding. Oh. Drew also said, I think it's funny that the head in the jar thinks the guy in the mask is creepy. Zing. (laughs) Uh, Jerry Turnbull said, Jerry Turnbull. Book club member. Book club member. Here's the solicitation for the issue. It sounded a bit boring. I remember as I. So the solicitation says, A return to the demolished headquarters, the site of Kate's death, reunites old team members as Abe pursues a demon and Vivara reveals her terrifying plans. Reunites old team members? Who could that be? <laughs> <laughs> that is a little bland, but at the same time, they don't want to—they don't want to outright be like, "Liz and Abe are hanging out." Right. Everybody comes. Well, they didn't. But that was the where Hellboy was revealed. Yeah. No. Yeah. Absolutely. Yeah. So there. It's a red herring. Yeah. It's a, yeah. For sure. They don't want to be like. By the way, Hellboy comes back at the end. It's a surprise. <laughs> yeah. you, know, you can't can't do that. Uh, Jerry said, I remember as I was reading it, getting more excited and having an argument with myself. <laughs> Man, I hope they don't bring Roger back. But it would be nice to see him again. But no, Roger's story was great the way it ended. Yeah. And then, boom, that last page was such a surprise. And five long months to see what happened next. Oh. Yeah, that is a long time. Yeah. It's a long time. But you're going to want the trio together. Like... You know, I love Roger. Yeah, but his his arc did have there was a finality Those to it. Pages Those came in yes, at the absolutely. end. The statue yeah. and Where the he's god, the little baby and everything. Place and everything. Uh, like you know, I am happy knowing that Roger is in a beautiful yeah. place. I think that's fine. And you know, Liz and Abe are hanging out. 
together. What if what if the trio was back together? Yeah. What if we had all three of them. So if you're gonna bring someone back, you're gonna bring back Hellboy, right? I mean, that's. But I mean, how long has it been since the trio's been together? Long time. I mean, geez. Been a while. I mean, Conquer Worm. No, but that. But no, but Abe and Abe and Liz weren't even in Conquer Worm. Yeah. Wake the Devil. It, it's it's pretty much at the beginning. They did, right? didn't they? They they did wake the devil. Yeah. Wow. He woke up. He's awake. He's the devil. That was pretty good. I know it was. I know that. <laughs> That's okay. I'm People clever and funny. <laughs> Jerry also shared his original pages to the Eternal Mystery, the Matt Strackvine comic. Yeah. That we discussed nice. last week. So, yeah, that was so awesome to see those original pages. Those are some great pages. Super I good. love that comic. Oh, it's a great comic. I think, he has, I think he has more Matt Strackbine pages than Matt Strackbine has at this point. He might, yeah, because yeah. Matt doesn't have a lot of the pages. You're right. I think, I think yeah. he might have more. Yeah, well, Ryan has the Vivara pages, and so Ryan right. might also have, because Matt does four pages. Yeah. For each of the two pages, and then we split ours up yeah. between with us and Aubrey. So yeah, maybe Ryan and Jerry are tied for the most math know. pages. It's, yeah, I'd love to. I'd love to figure out the math on that. Who's the Who's the biggest Matt Strackbine collector? <laughs> Clayton Schofield said. Clayton Schofield, book club member. That's right. That Howard's cover by Duncan Fagredo yeah. slays me. Yeah. I can't wait to hear this week's pod. And when you turn to that last page of the arc, I'm already giddy. Yeah, everybody was so excited. Yeah. I thought it was so funny that Mark was like, I have to know what they you all thought. They wanted to hear what we, yeah. yeah. I wish there was a better name for this. I don't like, th- I don't like the word podcast. I don't like that. Oh, okay. I wish there was a better, it's a radio show. Yeah. But it's not on the radio. It's on your pod. Yeah, I hate it. <laughs> I do not like pod. I, I I actually like podcasts, but if you want right. to know, pod, podcast originally was called Blogcast, mm. and um, they became no, podcasts yeah. when they started first showing up on iPods. Yeah, Blogcast is not better. No, it's not. <laughs> but I actually really love the term podcast, so I love it. I don't it. like it, but yeah. But send us a hey, you damn guys, and tell no, us what don't. would be a better I, term. No, <laughs> no, send, send them specifically don't. to Danielle. Do not. We also heard from Sean Taylor. Hey, Sean Taylor. Book club member. That's right. Yeah, I don't think we've heard from Sean before. When I posted the comparison of the Howards where he's jumping around being Conan. <laughs> yeah. And then the scene that Lawrence Campbell was taking it from was a callback to Wasteland. I like to put those side yeah. by side. Sean said, this might be my favorite scene in the whole Hellboy universe. Hashtag mm-hmm. my boy Howards. <laughs> it's your boy. Nice. <laughs> it's your boy Howards. Yeah, absolutely. I remember. Okay. Can I just for a second? I've probably brought this up before, but I can't help but think of it every once in a while. Is um, when we first started this whole thing, you were like, "Hey, do you want to do a podcast with me?" And I was like, <laughs> "All right." And you were like, "No, we're gonna read. It's gonna be a book club." And I was like, "Okay, that is that is interesting, actually." And you were like, "We're gonna read all the Hellboy shit." And I was like, "I have been meaning to get to that, so this will be fun. Friendship and reading books. I want to read. Yeah, so that's cool." So Kevin Alford, book club member. He interviewed oh, wow. us right at the very beginning. I don't know if you remember Aubrey. Do you remember this? You know where I'm going with this? He interviewed us for Mignolaverse.com. Uh, and so I had not really read any Hellboy stuff yet at all, but I was looking forward to it. I was like, yeah, I'll read this. This will be fun and cool. And we can talk about it and friendship and book club. And he was asking us questions. And one of the things he was like, what are you looking forward to? And I was like, I don't really know much about it. I mean, it seems cool uh, in like a weird, yeah. like all the weird magic stuff seems cool. And like you had told me, John, you had told me some stuff here and yeah, there. Yeah. And 
You had seen a couple things, I had things, seen yeah. a little bit here and there. And so I knew I was looking forward to the island, and I knew I was looking forward to Ted Howard's. Yeah. Just from what little things I had seen. <laughs> and I had no other context for any of it. I just knew that these were things that you thought I'd be interested in, which is like weird magic Elseworld, yeah. you know, weird other- Jack Nicholson gif. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> and I was like, oh, so I mentioned, I was like, Ted Howard's. And he was like, what? Why? <laughs> no one's no one's no one's excited for Ted Howard's. No one's interested in that. And I a so, lot of people day, are excited. So this day, I don't remember exactly what the interview says, but he was like, "No one cares about Ted Howard's." <laughs> Something like that. It was. I'm paraphrasing, but to this day, I still think of it. I'm like, I was right. That is cool and fun and exciting. Yes. I was. I was right to look forward to that. And it still baffles me to this day. His reaction to that was like, "Really?" I think that's really? a, I think that's a strange comment. Just, just kind because of a, maybe it was sarcasm. Maybe he was being funny. Yeah. It, you know, I'm taking maybe it out of context. Funny, I think yeah. he was probably because Ted Howard's yeah. is uh, he was not supposed to be this big thing, yeah, yeah, but yeah. the fan reaction right. to him was just so yes, intense. Absolutely. Everybody after Abyss of Time came out, everyone was like. Oh my God! Give they me more of this interdimensional prehistoric time. Weird shit. Yeah. Yeah. And so I think he might have just—he might have been. You know, maybe he was just being funny, and maybe he was being sarcastic. And I don't know. It's hard to read that so, into like a. So would you say that Howard's lived up to the hype then? Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, it's good shit. Okay, so when he asked me that question, I had no idea what to expect because I didn't know anything going. Right. In. Exactly. I, yeah. But I knew that there was a BPRD comic coming up, and I was like, I guess I'm looking forward to that. And it did not. Disappoint. And you were right. Holy yeah. Holy shit. <laughs> right. Good shit. Yes. I just pulled that answer out of my ass. I didn't know what I was looking forward to. Thinking about it like you're, that does sound interesting. You're like, oh, it's like an ensemble book of some of the other characters. Yeah. That might be cool. This so. is but a, yeah. But yeah, no, I pulled it out. Sure, sure. Th- <laughs> this is a great thing to bring up right now because when we started a Howboy Book Club podcast, yeah. did you like. Looking back, if, if, it's if like, you had to go. Yeah. This is just one of those things, Hellboy or BPRD. I mean, I don't really know because it's so it's it's yeah. There's just so much there. That's... But I think like the the point I'm trying to make is BPRD is so good. Yeah. Oh, it's great. Like people yeah. are like people love Hellboy, and I'm not trying to say that Hellboy is not good, but like a lot of people have only read Hellboy. For me, I don't keep it separate, and they don't read. But could you imagine only reading the Hellboy right. stuff and not reading, and not reading BPRD? Yeah. yeah right. But then also not reading the the Witchfinder or the Lobster. Well, we have uh, someone to thank for this amazing reading order that blends it all together so perfectly. I want to give some shouts out. To the amazing Mark Tweedell. amazing Mark Tweedell. Book club member and and magician. (laughs) And he's he's amazing. Um, It's because this is, is... What a cool, interesting way to read all this. Yeah. And without that, I might not be exactly. as involved you know okay. i might not yeah, really have point. such an intertwined you appreciation need to have that, uh, for me it's not separate this is because this is how i've read it all right okay <laughs> this is the way oh my goodness all right this is the way just just dial back the nerdiness you're at about you're at about a nine i need you at about a four well you know i'll never dial back my nerdiness <laughs> you know what my fair. nerdiness goes to 11 fair play fair play to you but um oh. i'm just saying for me it's so intertwined that I don't think about it as, oh, BPRD or Hellboy. I don't, sure. Because to me, it's not I like that. that. Because of the way that I read it, because of Mark Tweedle in this, in this, this book. Yeah. Is to me, it's all kind of, it's this big intertwined branching tree. You know, Mike Mignola created Hellboy. But then from that came so many things and so many different yeah, yeah. books and ideas and stories and all this so cool. art and writing and all this other stuff. And so 
for me, it's all just kind of I I I pile it all together as just one big thing. But so yeah, I ended up being very excited about Ted Howard's. So <laughs> I stand by my initial yes, response. Ted Howard's. And um, yeah, I didn't really realize how much some of this stuff would really come to mean to me, like the magician and the snake. Yeah. Probably one yeah. of my favorite things I've ever read of all time. Yeah, in yeah. In the history of the universe. Uh, where I'm still going to get that tattoo. It's going to happen. We're, we're going to do it. I'm going to figure out how wait. to make it. i got to talk to my, my tattooist and talk to yeah, her about, You have hey, a whole design What's for the it. safety thing? No, on that. So oh, I'm trying to thing, work out yeah. like, hey, is everybody going to be safe kind of a deal? So that's a whole thing. But um, yeah, Mistress of the Snake, um, The Island. An incredible, incredible yeah. art and story to that and Ted Howard's. You know, a recent one for me was a Frankenstein Underground. Okay. I didn't, I was like, that that blew me me away. That surprised me because I was not expecting to be like, hey, this is cool. So, but I was, it was cool. So there you go. Jason Abaddon said, Jason Abaddon, book club member, book club member. He talked about the cover to issue five. There's an amazing cover by Duncan Fregredo where it shows Liz and Abe and they're in front of a gravestone and in the sky behind them, it's got Roger, Kate, uh, yeah, Daniel, Hellboy, yeah, yeah, yeah. everyone who died. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And Jason said, that cover is just brutal. Mm. Everyone they've lost. I'm just sad that Ben and Johan never got to meet Hellboy and vice versa. I really think Hellboy could have helped Daimyo and I just want to know how he'd work with Johan. And Wes Mattis said, I totally agree. I would have loved to have seen Daimyo and Hellboy together. Wes Mattis. Wes Mattis. Book club member. Book club member. That's right. He also said, I might suggest Liz's flying ability isn't connected to her firepower, but it's part of her real power. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Like two separate powers. In Black Goddess, doesn't she float while meditating? Just a thought per the book club discussion. Two separate powers. Oh. We were always. floating. I think that we had always discussed it as though the Vril was the source of that firepower. Right, right. But yeah, I uh, like that idea. I, feel, I still feel like the Vril is probably the source of the firepower, but she can do other stuff with it too. Yes, okay, nice. And so the fire isn't really fire fire unless she wants it to be and that it is. But then sometimes she can't control it like when she's a little kid. Mm. But then later she learns how to control it. But then it's going out of control again, maybe. And we don't know. Yes. Because we're still waiting to find out what all that cosmic shit is going to shake out to be. So Nice. Yeah. And lastly... Is it nice, though, or is it very scary and horrific? No, I like how you're... I'm saying nice. I like how you're tying it all together. Oh. It's working. Okay. <laughs> and lastly, uh. Jason Abaddon said, uh, remember when Liz is like, and guess what, Abe? I can fly now. Remember right, I, I posted yeah. that? And yeah. Jason Abaddon said, I can fly now, and I'm eternally young. Yeah. So how does the whole frog monster thing work out for Ooh, you? Ooh, harsh. <laughs> <laughs> I love it. Yeah, that was great. Oh, so good. That's rough. Oh, man. That's rough. All right, and now we're going to get into our book club episode for the week. This week we're talking about some Abe Sapien stories. Sure so are. we have a little bit of a shorter episode this week because we also recorded our episode with Craig McKnight. Mark Tweedo really didn't want to break up the pandemonium issues one through three. We wanted to save that for one nice chunk together. So these issues go right before the Pandemonium storyline, and so we're going to discuss those first. The first story we're going to discuss is called The Calm Before the Storm. This is a short story that was published on Multiversity Comics in January of 2015. So this is really interesting. This piece was originally a piece of fan fiction by Elise Gluskova, a Latvian comic artist who has worked for Ani Press, for the title Letter 44, 
and Dark Horse titles Bait, Abe Sapien, which we're going to cover today, and Harrow County. On her Twitter, she is a self-proclaimed bird mom. Nice. So I like her already. Nice. Gluskova sent the fanfiction over to the Hellboy team, and they liked it and decided to write dialogue for it and have Clem Robbins letter it. Wow. It was released digitally oh, wow. and for the first time in print in the Ape Sapien, the Drowning, and Other Stories omnibus. So this omnibus is the first time that it was actually in print because it was released online. What an awesome story. That is so that's cool, great. right? Yeah. yeah. That's a great origin story for this. That's fantastic. And I love Gluskova's style. You know, she she's yeah. noteworthy because obviously we've had Mindy Lee yeah. because we read it out of order but she would have been the first woman to yeah. work on the interior yeah. Hellboy comics, and which I did, think is really noteworthy. Yeah, you and know? she did a great job, and I'm glad that she's in there. But that is such a cool... I didn't know that she was like, hey, I'm an artist, and I'm going to do a fan fiction, and then they're going to publish it. Yeah. That's fucking cool. It's really cool. This artwork is just stellar. I mean, I love it. It is beautiful to look at, you know? That is... Yeah. that's. I do have more to say about that as we get into it. So let's get into it. We open in Littleport, Rhode Island in February 1865. That's a real place. And we see the Oana Society submarine, which should look pretty familiar to us after the events of Garden of Souls. Yeah, love and, and End of Days. Summer. Remember, they even brought it back for End of Days. We see Langdon Call smoking a stogie from his personalized cigar case. Did you get this reference on the cigar case? Yeah. Yes, I did. That's the one that um, a found that the dead wife gave him or something yeah remember in garden of souls well that's how they got him to go over to the island where they were in the robot suits remember and all that stuff that's the whole thing Um, that's how they got him to go over they sent him that thing in a map so we know we're dealing with someone who is invested in the lore yeah all of this yeah this is the exact one that we saw when he's like sailing across by yeah. himself smoking a cigar. That was so cool. I love what she chooses to focus on. She's got these tight shots. She's, you know, she's, we've talked about like, her, the art is good. She's a good artist, but the cinematography of it, like the, you know what I mean? Yeah. Where she chooses to focus her shots and from what angle and the pacing of it and the, you know, it's good shit. It's really nice. You notice that. You definitely notice it much more when it's bad. Sure. I would say. So when it's good, I think we should take a moment to be like, hey, no, please notice how good that is. One of the Oana's society guys tells Call to take a good look. When next you say, see what that. What a beautiful man. <laughs> what a beautiful man here. This is a gorgeous man. Like, what? I want to know what the reference was. Okay. Like, who was she Googling for this? Because this is amazing. Yeah. What is it? Like, he's he's got some very, like, Tom Hardy lips. Okay. And there's some, uh, I don't know, like, what is this guy? Look at the jaw. He's a hunk. Look at the, yeah. He's Captain America. <laughs> he says, when next you see the shore, it may seem different after what we'll have seen. This man just threw a brand new cigar into the ocean. He doesn't, look how he looks. He's... He can have as many cigars he as he wants. <laughs> the hand I mean, is great. Can we talk about how uh, the hand looks that's perfect? That's nice, yeah. Well-drawn hand. I mean, well, you can't take the, the burning cigar into the submarine. That would just be bad. Put it out. Oh, Put it back right. in the case. You've got a case for it. <laughs> but pre-burnt stuff just doesn't taste right. It smells bad. You know, Who cuts what in, cigar cutters are for? One of the cutters just to cut the tip off. Yeah, and you then you, can smoke cut, it. you can cut the burnt tip off if you want. This is this is the kind of man that he. I'm just going to throw an entire cigar there that I go. just lit into the ocean. As Call descends into the submarine, 
He says, the sea is calm. Are his hands backwards? I don't know. We were or talking about that. Or is he his hands around? Maybe that's what it is. Yeah. But then wouldn't you see the back of one of your hands? I don't know. I don't know what the... Maybe it's upside. Maybe he's upside down. Hmm. And we're supposed to... I don't know. He's in a submarine. Who knows? Call says, the sea is calm. And this other guy says, it's calm where they're going. They won't be cutting through ice or sailing around the world. I should have said that to Edith, Call responds. These beautiful men... Yeah, but I, they do talk about Edith, and they talk about her behavior and how she acted when he left. It doesn't speak well for her temperament, mm. one guy says. And so, That's rude. Her, remember, but remember, like, she went mad when he left and never came back and threw herself into the ocean, and then her skeleton haunted him. Yeah, but him. this is just a rude boy. It's yeah. not unusual for a woman to be confused by work like ours, but to yeah. act in such a way in front of others. Oh, I don't know. She's having a hard time. Yes, Why don't you yeah. relax a little? We look, at also, this, look at this scene down here. Just a just a sea of beautiful men yeah. with gorgeous hair. <laughs> amazing facial hair everywhere I look. Is this guy a barber? What's he doing with his little apron here? Oh, no, he's just hanging out. Everyone's got bow ties on. Yeah. Very well-dressed. Sure, they're dapper. Yeah. And we also see Call inspecting the diving suit. So this is also a callback to A Plague of Frogs, the storyline, where we saw Abe's origin, and we saw Call. That's where he finds the stone egg is... You know, wearing that diving suit. Okay, so you were talking about these good-looking men, right? Well, how we've seen them, because if you think about it, these are the Oanis guys. Yeah, yeah. So they're going to, three of them are going to end up in robot suits, and one's going to end up in that giant (laughs) body, you know. uh, One of them actually makes it into the big body, you know what I mean? So um, I thought that was interesting. I was trying to figure out which one was which. There's Edward Sunburn. He's the one that ends up in the big body. Ensner, Dameron, and McWerther. And McWerther was the one that came out also in End of Days. They talk about how the ship's been all inspected. Even if they don't find anything, the vessel is achievement enough, one guy says. And it is a pretty good submarine if you think about it, because it's going to last till End of Days. Yeah. Remember, they bring it back in that. This so is Victorian. Well, it, it, not only is it a good submarine, it's a submarine before the <laughs> Civil War. Clarence, we know it's before the Civil War. <laughs> Thank uh, you, Clarence, for, it's, for illuminating it, it, I that mean, for us. I, I don't know when submarines were actually invented, but right. I don't think they had them in during the Civil right. War. No. Wow. Right, right. Okay, that's a good point. Sure. Thank you for bringing that up. Yeah. Well, it's a little bit of, you know, it's a little uh, historical fiction there. We have Victorian submarines. It's yeah. fine. I'm sure we'll require no such consolation, gentlemen, one says. Our research is sound. We'll have our prize. Let's go ahead and drink to our success. Okay, if you say so, buddy. And so we know what's going to happen yeah. is what's going to happen is they're going to go down there. Call is going to find the stone egg, and then he's going to transform. Yeah. So anyway, I just think that's a nice little... You know, that is so cool that it was... No, it's, uh, yeah, it's interesting. Somebody decided, you know, I'm going to take this, She's what leads up to it. She's thinking about this moment. Yeah. That's, yeah. I wonder, I wonder how much of that was just, she's like, I'm going to just do this little exercise for myself and see if this is any, and it turns out to be, like, good, and we're going to use it, and let's do it. Like, that's interesting. I, I wonder how much of that started out as just, like, a little yeah. fun little exercise for herself, and having it, yeah. it, it ended up being canon over here yes and also like taking that initiative to be like hey yeah sure this is fan quote-unquote fan fiction but you know what i mean yeah fan fiction writers and fan fiction artists listen up like it's cool go ahead and do that it's cool to do that and it's fine and good 
to build your skills that way. And so think about this. She gets this digital release. Mm -hmm. It doesn't quite come out, but then you get a full comic. And the comic has this Mignola cover. So let's talk about this. Mignola did the cover for your thing. You got in through fan art, and now Mignola's doing your covers. Amazing. Hell yeah. Just keep at it. Keep doing what you're doing and what you're passionate about, because that's what Craig McKnight said to do. Yeah. And now we're inspired to do that. And <laughs> Thank you, Craig. And everybody's going to, yeah, you never know what could happen. You just keep keep at it. This next story is Ictio Sapien. This is a flashback story set in 1834 that was published in October 2015 as Abe Sapien issue 37. It looks like we're in for some weird shit Yes, by looking at this cover here. Co-written by Mignola, art by Elise Gluskova, colors by Gluskova with Dave Stewart, and letters by Clem Robbins. That is so cool. This cover is amazing. So there's so many little details in here. You know, we get call. I love when Mignola does the evolved Abe. That's oh, yeah, a rare. That's a rare thing. Yeah, it looks good. To see the evolved Abe in, uh, by Mignola, we get the Oannes depiction, and then that little Nautilus. Yeah, it's a little. They're gonna. Here. That's gonna come up in the story, yeah. but I love that little detail there. That's yeah, good. So we open on a song, and I was like, when I saw this, I got all excited. I was like, it's sea shanty time. Yeah. But it's not actually, I guess it could be a sea shanty. Right. It's more like a folk song, but isn't that what a, what a sea shanty is? You well, know what I mean? A folk song sung at sea? There you go. There yeah, you go. that is what it is. So It's very Tolkien. We get a lot of songs. The most popular version of this song is by Bob Dylan. It's called Lone Pilgrim from his 1993 album, World Gone Wrong. I found this really interesting article on BobDylanRoots.com. The song was actually recorded by Doc Watson in 1963, but the song has even more history than that. Okay, so there was this guy called the White Pilgrim, Joseph Thomas. He was a New Light Christian who traveled the area east of the Mississippi in the early 1800s, and when he died of smallpox, a fellow preacher, Elder John Ellis, visited his grave and wrote the lyrics to this song as a poem called The White Pilgrim. The song has appeared in various hymnals, and there are all these different versions that have different stanzas, and there's just a lot of different versions of this song. And so I'll put some clips of the Doc Watson version and the Bob Dylan throughout the episode. I came to the place where the one thing i thought was interesting is this first page i came to the place where the lone pilgrim lay and pensively stood by his tomb when in a low whisper I heard something say, How sweetly I sleep here alone. On the next page, where it says, Look away, look away, that old lonesome dove, I couldn't find a version of the song that has these lyrics. Mm. So I was wondering, maybe it's a different version that I wasn't able to find, or maybe the writer added these lyrics or something like I that. So I, I thought that was interesting. Uh, look if away. If you know about this, yeah. feel free to let me know if you know the version that has let this. Let us know. What that is. This is where it made me think it was a sea shanty. Look away, look away, that old lonesome dove that soars over black stormy seas and mourns the loss of its only true love, 
the same as my fellows mourn me. And I love this art of Abe. He's walking through a graveyard and he's literally like, there's visions of everyone who's died. Right, yeah. We see Hellboy, Hellboy Professor Broom, and then we see Call's face. He looks into the water, and so is he seeing both faces at the same time or something like that? I see it kind of like very cinematically. Yeah. So um, I thought it was interesting. It says that old Lonesome Dove uh, obviously made me think of Lonesome Dove, the 1985 Western novel. My mom loves uh, Lonesome Dove. And we just talked about it because in Hellboy Bones of Giants, Abe Sapien was reading Streets of Laredo, which is a sequel to Lonesome Dove. It's in that book series. So anyway, that was another thing that was like, hey, this actually has Lonesome Dove has a tie to the canon stuff uh-huh. in a way and then we cut over yeah we gotta to... talk about this we gotta talk about this weird fish church that's happening i fucking love this so it, this is so weird what's happening here is this the first time that this we've seen so a fish church i love this weird fish church what the fuck is this i, I don't think it's the first time we've seen a fish church but this is definitely the first time i've seen somebody wearing a fish for a hat it's definitely (laughs) the fanciest fish church that we've seen yeah well remember in the drowning a church had been taken over by all this sea imagery but it but this one looks like it's been specifically made for that right yeah this is everyone's got their very specific fish uh, uh ornaments and accessories and their matching robes here I don't know. This this all seems a little fishy to me. Ah. <laughs> What's interesting here is they've got the how do I pronounce this? Owanis. Yeah, they've got the Owanis uh, guy all the way in the back there. I guess it he uh, it's like a stained glass window yes. or something like that. It's it's either a window or it's a mural or it's something. But it's they got the um, flower of life pattern in there. Oh, nice. That's interesting. And then you get all your little shells and moons and stuff. And nice your, little detail. You're uh you know, different um, sea creatures all over the place. This is, this is fucking great. This is weird. What is this weird fish church? These things that the followers are saying, I couldn't really find a translation for them. When I put them in Google Translate, it just spit out the same oh, thing. Like Latin? Yeah, that's what I was thinking, but I couldn't get a proper translation, so let me know. We have this ceremony of the Oannes Society. Oannes rose from the sea, giving knowledge to our ancestors. But the sea did not offer up all her secrets. All life started there, and the greatest of all the sea's children, the man who knows, was some angel cast into the water from which we were born. Was some angel cast into the water from which we were born? In pursuit of the knowledge, we continue our work. What great knowledge will we deliver to take man into the future, towards his destiny? Uh, the Quaro, Quero, the first one here, qua, uh, Q, Q-U-A-E-R-O, means... I seek, I think, in Latin. And then okay. Quero, I, it could mean I want in Portuguese. Okay. Possibly. <laughs> there's a lot going I on seek, here. I seek, I want. Yeah, I don't know, there's a lot going on here. Afterwards, Call is mingling with the veteran Oana Society members. We get those Tom Hardy lips right there, right? Yeah, look at that. <laughs> but there's a nice crossover because we see him first in the robe. We just see his mouth and then when it cuts over... It's kind of letting us know that that's the same guy. I like the way that this is paced. When Call says that this was only his second ceremony after his initiation, the guy's like, you're second. How do you assess the experience? But before Call can answer, he is summoned by a fancy card with a Nautilus. Well, look at this scene where they're all standing around with their champagne glasses. This is just a room full of beautiful men who are posing 
just they're posing as much as they possibly can be posing, (laughs) which I appreciate because like I feel like a lot of times the male characters or the men or the guys or the dudes, whatever, uh, will be the action will be dynamic and they'll be like appropriate for what they're doing. Like they'll be gesticulating or they'll like lifting something or pushing something or whatever. And the ladies are just like posing right in this weird like their backs are arched and they're they're like trying to look as super sexy as possible for no reason or whatever and so like i don't know i think it's kind of interesting that all these dudes are just posing as handsomely as they possibly can be posing yeah (laughs) it's very interesting and also like i don't know i get kind of a vibe from their faces and like their their eyes mostly or like their their eyes and their facial expressions it's kind of like 90s anime ish yeah, like we were talking about that. Battle of the Planets and stuff sure. like that. I like that. It's cute. I like this little card. Okay, so you were saying a card on a platter here. Yeah. A little Nautilus. We also saw Nautilus in Frankenstein Underground. Okay. Remember, there was that big one that kind of drug him down. Lord Hodgson requests his presence. And he's in this amazing fish getup, right? When we see Lord Hodgson. <laughs> and he flexes on call by eating these oysters, right? He's yeah, like... Yeah, it's a little... I hear these are the poor people's food, but... Where I'm from, it's a delicacy. All right. He mentions East Mercy. This is a scattered village and civil parish on the Mercy Island in the English county of Essex. Hodgson asks about Elihu Cavendish. Remember, Call had sailed with Cavendish. We saw, this was alluded to in the Abe Sapien story, Regressions. And Call dismisses a lot of Cavendish's work as tall tales. But Hodgson presses him. Call says... He was drunk, rambling. It was unnerving. That's the only reason I told Natant about it. Cavendish knows nothing. Everything's very dynamic. Everyone, they've, even this scene where they're like, they're talking about something, but it's very intense and yeah. it's good stuff. And Hodgson is like, you know, this society is all about science and we're, just try- we're trying to discover our origins. Oana's undersea race. From whence did they come? Was Atlantis the home of our forebears? Will it rise again? We get some amazing imagery of Atlantis. We see the mermaids just like we saw in the third wish. So we know that that is something that happened and they're already kind of like alluding to it. Hodgson says the secrets of human life won't be found in the bones of Buckland and Mantel's Iguanodons and Megalosaurus. So this references to uh, Buckland. He wrote the first account of a fossil dinosaur, which he named Megalosaurus. His work proved that the Kirkdale Cave had been a prehistoric hyena den for which he was awarded the Copley Medal. It was praised as an example of how scientific analysis could reconstruct distant events. And Gideon Mantell was an English obstetrician, geologist, and paleontologist. His attempts to reconstruct the structure and life of Iguanodon began the scientific study of dinosaurs. In 1822, he was responsible for the discovery and the eventual identification of the first fossil teeth and later much of the skeleton of an iguanodon. Dinosaurs? So that's what he's referencing there, but he's like, that's not how we're going to find our ancestors. The way that we're going to find them is going into the sea and dressing up like a fish. And he's like, I noticed you don't have your Nautilus. And so he takes one out and he says, you know, you're experienced, you're a sailor, and, you know, you can help us out. Well, when he says, I notice you don't have one, he's like, I haven't been given one yet. And that's when he pulls out the Nautilus. Right. I like his little face when he's saying that he hasn't been given one yet. Right. He's got his little hands and his little face. What a cutie pie. Hodgson says, a scientist generally sympathetic to our studies recovered a frozen specimen. One that may prove crucial to our work. 
This may be that evidence we need, Call. Imagine the authority we'll gain when we present a member of that race from which Oannes came. Now you've got a sea shanty. And now we've got a sea shanty. Now you've got one. But this is the same song. Yeah. Again, it's being sung again. But so. they're, on a sh- they're on a boat. So this is so official. It's it's, it's, it is officially sea shanty times. That's right. Thank you for that. Their hair is blowing in the wind. Their beautiful hair. It looks as gorgeous as possible instead of what it would really be like, just a ratty mess in your face, no matter what happens. Over the Baltic Sea, Call sails with McWhorter and another Oana's guy. His name is Vasily. They sing the White Pilgrim, Lone Pilgrim song. Vastly mentions a saying, none of us is a mere wave, we are each entire sea. I couldn't find a reference to that saying, okay, so cool, let me though. know if you know if it that. means anything. I do like it. I, yeah. I was hoping that it was a reference to something, but it might just be a good bit of variety. Yeah, that's good. They talk about how they've been with the Oana Society for years, and Call just joined, so why is he on this trip? You needed a sailor, Call responds. Rumor is you know more than boats, Vastly says, and they ask him again about Cavendish. So this is the real reason why Hodgson right. wants him on the trip is because this whole Cavendish connection. This little uh, this little uh, item he has here that's called a sextant, I think. Oh yeah, thank you for pointing that out. You're absolutely right. You're a gentleman and a scientist, sir, not a gossip. I do like that it's, line. It's a gentle scolding there. <laughs> but Call eventually does talk about Cavendish. Beneath the Arctic ice lies a lost empire, the most advanced the world has ever seen, Look which battled monsters guy. more terrible than I could imagine. Look at this guy. Well, I mean, and he's, he's got the secret fire. He's well, he... got the cup with the fire in one hand. He's just... got the serpent around he's him. He's got some intense stuff happening here. There's, yeah. there's some there's some intense stuff going on right here. Look, this guy's got like a necklace of skulls. I like Gluskova's version of like an Ogdruhem. Mm-hmm, That's yeah. a really cool design. Each artist brings like their the yeah. really cool great, design yeah. to those monsters. Call says, but Cavendish couldn't say where it is. The man sat in a cabin stitching together lore from every corner of the globe until, drunk, he shared his theory with me, after which he punished me for his embarrassment, leading me to quit his company. What he said was fascinating, like any proper fantasy. We're men of science, doctor. What he showed me was no kind of proof. He had none. And they're like, oh, you're a good man, Call. I'm sorry to upset you. And so they land in Lipaya, Latvia. Latvia. This is in western Latvia, located on the Baltic Sea. It is an important ice-free port. Oh, wow. So ice doesn't form around this port, so they can run it all year. Of course, that would be super important. Did you say that the artist was Latvian? And she is Latvian. Isn't, You're right. Yeah. Yeah. So that's I think that's super cool. She's like, yeah, I'm gonna put them in Latvia, of course. Yeah, I'm gonna put that's my great. hometown in the comments and she's that I'm like, writing. I'm gonna put. They're gonna speak in Latish. They're in Latvia, speaking Latish. That's cool. Yeah, and I um, I did try to pull up some Latish translation. And I just couldn't do it. I sure, didn't have the right. time to do it. Well, you don't have the, the keyboard for so, it. Either, so yeah, I don't. I mean, there so you go. 
if anyone speaks Laddish, I would love to know oh, what yeah. these word balloons say because I think they do actually translate, but I just wasn't going to be able to do sure. it in the amount of time that I had. I think that's great that she was going to put them in Latvia. They are looking for a Mr. Orinska, who I guess has this specimen that they're looking for, but instead they find a pretty grisly scene. Yeah. Oriska's dead, and a member of the Heliopic Brotherhood is there as well, Perkins. And they're like, well, at least he bashed his skull in. Ooh. So I guess the Heliopic Brotherhood was trying to get the specimen, too. Uh. There was a scuffle. And we also see this woman lying on the ground, too. So I don't know what her role in this. I wonder if maybe she was Orinska's wife or somebody who maybe just got caught in the middle of things. And what he used to bash his head in is, is like this collapsible telescope. Yeah. We see it there. It looks pretty heavy, too. Ugh. And then they find that the woman is alive. She whispers something in Lettish, and then Vasily stands up, and he's like, this is not the lab. So they're in the wrong place. And they walk outside, and I love this scene where Vashley he picks up a rock. We see that Call has, like, the telescope to use as, like, a cudgel or whatever. Yeah, like, they, they don't have guns. Like, they're just, yeah. like, in the 1800s, you just picked up a rock and hope sure. for the best. You're yeah. like, I'm about to go into a dangerous situation. <laughs> Here's a big rock right here. That might help. Let's get into it. Let's yeah. get into it, boys. Let's get into it, mates. Let's get into a scuffle, a little bit of a little bit of a tussle. Just want to take a moment here to talk about the architecture that we're looking at here. Oh this yeah. Latvian, you know, the brickwork and the um this look at this door. Look at this awesome woodwork. The woodworking on this door. This is door. probably like a reference Beautiful, to yeah. actual, you know, the roof. woodworking or maybe I wonder if it's even Shit, a reference to like uh, historical sure. 1800s Latvian oh, yeah. houses, you know, and stuff like that. So it definitely looks like it. Beautiful. It, fit, it seems like it fits historically. She took the time to put all that in there. So that's cool. Yeah. All of this is beautifully rendered. Yeah. And I thought it was interesting that it said colors were by her and Dave Stewart. Yeah, so I wonder I'm what that sure. collaboration was like. Because I guess her work needs to be colored a certain way. I don't know. You know what I mean? Like it definitely has that style. Maybe uh, she did the flats. The flats or the so shading he, or, yeah. So, nice. Well, well I was maybe she did the flats so she can be like, hey, this is the color I want you to go for. And right. then nice. they went in and said, okay, I'll, I'll uh, take care of that. That is so cool. She has that kind of like we talked about. like It's almost a kind of slightly anime inspired right. style in the face and the eyes a little bit there. And so like, you know, I wonder if there's like a specific shading technique that happens ah. i don't know they find the lab and in it are tubs and like a chamber where abe was found inside they see the frozen specimen and it's like a mermaid right yeah and everybody this... has some hair going on in yeah. this story <laughs> lots of hair yeah. yeah beautiful hair this yeah. guy leech pops vampire out teeth. yeah oh right she does have vampire teeth you're right Vampire mermaids. Mm. I don't know about that. Mermaid vampires. Mm. I don't know about that. Probably just a coincidence. You just need shark teeth to eat, you know, shit at the bottom of the I ocean. I don't know. Right. It might be a mermaid vampire. <laughs> and this guy, Leech, pops out with a gun. They're all after this mermaid, right? Everybody's like, they're all, all these different parties are converging on this thing. What in the devil are you doing? He says he's thawing her out. So that they can use a psychic to reach out to the creature. Okay. And we get like a really cool depiction of that happening. But I love this guy vastly. He's like, you learn nothing from seances. Like he's immediately <laughs> like, that shit doesn't work. Call says that they're going to study it, but it must be in the best condition. And if he's thawing it, like that's going to mess everything up. If this is part of some pre-human race, 
It will reveal to us the secrets of the ancients, Leech says. Or whatever the hell, you lunatics. <laughs> But it's not the source of human life or whatever the hell you lunatics think. Because that's, <laughs> that's what great. that's what Lord Hodgson was saying. You know, this is how we're going to find... It's not with the dinosaurs. It's with this thing instead. Right. And he tells them to just look at it. I love this panel where they're just like... And then there's there's this constant thing of the sound effects of all the like yeah, Victorian the, yeah. machinery and stuff like that. Those are really nice touches. It really adds like a lot of texture to the reading experience. And a lot of... I wanna, like a lot of... Um tension i think in this there's a lot of tension because with that going on the whole time it's building to something and we get this incredible panel of just like the depiction of atlantis and i guess this is the king i wonder if this is the same king very buff fish man yeah whose uh spear got cut or whatever well he's got the little a markings here i mean isn't it like oanus because it's wearing the same crown yeah oh that's a depiction of oanus you're right buff fish man yeah. I love it. Yeah, that is so cool. Really amazing work by Gluskova. Yeah, it's great. Is this the first like personified depiction? Yeah, of, like this is the guy. If I think he was so. a real guy. Yeah, we've just seen that like that, um, seen. that kind of uh, the one that's on the cover version that yeah. was like in the it's in the relief. book from the Universal Machine. Yeah, that kind yeah. of version. And so there's this moment, and then Vastly just runs at him. Ah, like why would you do that? Run at a guy that's got a gun. He's got a gun. Like, why would you scream, too? I don't know. Maybe be distracting and you want to him to point the gun at you so he doesn't hurt anyone else maybe while that, you're maybe, running at yeah, him. And I, don't I don't know. Maybe know. he's sacrificing himself so that, uh, I don't know, man. Maybe so that way Call can act because that's exactly yeah. what happens. Well, he, he probably was thinking that he could reach him before he fired and move the gun out of the way. And right. Well, maybe, yeah. yeah. I don't know. But that did not happen. He got shot in the head. Yeah, but then Call gets in there with a telescope and just sure cracks this guy hard in the head. And then we get right hand of telescope, boom, number uh, one, or whatever. Collapsible telescope, boom, number one. But then that woman that they found with the two other dead guys, she pops up. So this makes me think like maybe she was the wife or of Orinska because she shoots the chamber. Like it almost yeah. makes me think like she's like, enough of this. Kala is Every- is in for a bit of a Donnybrook here, but everyone else has got guns. Yes, exactly. It's a little it's a little uneven. <laughs> but it makes me think she's just like, enough with all this. Everyone's yeah. getting killed over this thing. I'm just gonna destroy it. So she shoots the chamber and the specimen comes out and we see it looks all ruined yeah. afterwards. I bet that does not smell great. And the guy that had the gun, Leech, he's gone. And Call says, it's lost, McWhirter. So that's McWhirter. He's yeah. gonna be, he comes back for end of days. Remember, he's in the robot suit and all that kind of stuff. And so, but that's, he was, he was a good looking guy before he was a shriveled up old man in a robot <laughs> suit. You know what I mean? I just think it's interesting to see these guys. Yeah, absolutely. Like what they actually looked like. Right. But they say, at least he didn't get the specimen. Cold comfort. That's the least that can come of it, Call. It's lost, but we saw it. We saw it, Call. And there may be another, McWhorter says. The answers are out there. We have only to keep looking. And Call looks in the water, and we cut back to Abe, because he was looking in the water. So, like, did he remember this? Or is this just a nice framing device to have this kind of flashback? I read Um, it as, like, a transitional device, but that is, uh, yeah, that's interesting. Well, the whole flashback started when Abe was looking in the water. Yeah. Right. So I, I took it as a framing device. Yeah. It's a good one. It's effective. It's good. Yeah, I love that. And we get the Lone Pilgrim song again as Abe goes underwater. Is he swimming in jeans? That can't be comfortable. They look like uh, 
shredded up Hulk jeans. Yeah, he's kind of got the Hulk thing going on yeah. since he's been evolved. Go tell my companions and children most dear to not weep for me. Now I'm gone. The same hand that led me through seas most severe has kindly assisted me on. It's very fitting. Go tell And so, okay, this is interesting. So this issue was supposed to come out when the Devil You Know stuff was coming out, too. But everything got behind schedule, so this issue was going to come out way before Devil You Know. So in the actual issue, it doesn't say there he is. It says the end, and it ends right there. Okay. On the omnibus version, there's a word bubble that says there he is, and then we cut over and we see Liz and Howard. Yeah, look at Howard's looking like Thor. Look at that. Yeah, I love this. Liz. And we see the... Helicarrier, the BPRD ship. Liz is looking great. I love this double page. You know, looking at it in the omnibus version and the double page. Everyone's hair just constantly blowing in the wind. It's really cool. They see Abe come out of the water. Are these lilies on the ground? The golden lily? Yeah, it does look like those are lilies. I like how she she took this opportunity to put those in there. It's good stuff. And I thought this was interesting. What is this look that Liz gives Abe? Is that supposed to mean something? There's a look, is there? I think that's like, hey, it's you and me. We got past. We got a history together. We're together again. This is great. Yeah. Look at that. Look at us. Here they, we are. They couldn't reveal that Liz and Abe are going to reunite yet. So those pages were left out of the actual yeah. issue version. No, that makes sense. That's interesting. So yeah, that's just so another cool. uh, just another incentive to picking up the omnibus version. This helicarrier. I love this, this double is, spread. It is yeah. so cool. This is great stuff. Yeah, so uh, a neat little interlude. This ties in with Pandemonium. And uh, I like that Mark put it right before here. It acts as a nice buffer, too, because we just saw, oh, my God, Hellboy's coming back. And yeah, then we're like, okay, let's take, a, this little, yeah. let's take this little stroll down memory lane to learn about how Langdon Call looked like Tom Hardy when he was when he, <laughs> he was still a man. Like Tom Hardy, I was just comparing <laughs> some of his features. It was just meant to comment on how she was like, I'm going to make everyone a beefcake. I don't give a fuck. I'll do it. And I really liked the Gluskova style. Yeah, absolutely. You know, I thought it was a nice change. Very you know, clean. we haven't seen anything like that no, really, yeah. like on that level at all in any of these stories. It's super so. clean. It's got a little tiny bit of anime influence ish. Yeah. I want to say maybe. They were really cool uh, little interludes, but I'm kind of really excited to get to what we're going to read next. Uh, week. I like yeah. everybody's fancy hair. I don't have fancy hair. <laughs> Awesome. So yeah, maybe a little shorter episode this week, but I'm excited to get into more Devil You Know stuff next week and excited to listen to all the listener feedback and really glad that we could have a bonus episode with Craig also this week. So you got two episodes this week to tide you over with some friendship and some good old book club nerdiness. Go buy a raffle ticket, support Craig McKnight, support all these worthy causes. And now Aubrey's going to say all the things. All right, everybody, share us your thoughts on these really cool Abe Sapien stories. <laughs> you can send us an 
Hey, you damn guys at HellboyBookClub at gmail.com. Follow us on Facebook at Hellboy Book Club Podcast and on Instagram and Twitter at Hellboy Book Club. You can also find all of our resources on our Facebook About section, our Podbean website, and our link tree and our Instagram profile. As always, a thank you to the Side Street Stuffers for the theme music. Thank you to Mark Tweedell for helping with the reading order. You guys don't really know the behind the scenes of the shuffling we did at least last week. (laughs) He's even updated the reading list. You should check it out. Yes. Thank you, John, for all your hard work on this editing magic that you got to do two episodes in one day. Uh, (laughs) And thank you, Danielle. And thank you, everybody, for being listeners and just sending in your feedback or leaving a review and everything. You guys and girls are rock stars. Thank you. You can find the podcast on Podbean, Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts from. Next week, we are actually really going to be reading BPRD, The Devil You Know, Pandemonium, issues one through three. So you know what to do. I'm pretty sure you've all read it, but if you haven't, you've got time now. Pull out them back issues, trades, digital omnibuses, or whatever they come in, and join us next week on the Hellboy Book Club Podcast. Thanks for listening, everybody. I'm John Salinas. I'm Daniel. And I'm Aubrey Lovelace saying, I came to this place where the lone pilgrim lay. Yeah. Awesome. I'm a fish man. (laughs) I'm a big old fish man.